The sun has emerged after a night of raining. That sounds like an unusual outcome to Matt Harkin's nights. Is that right? No. <laughs> what? I've been here since five. Oh, okay. I thought it you was, were out was, raining, no. you know, doing some making it rain, whatever the case. <laughs> no. It was raining when I was on my way in this morning. Was it? Okay. Well, listen, I showed up and the sun came out. That's merely a coincidence. Trust me. It's because you're here. And Matt will be taking your calls here at 412-928-9370, and then he'll pipe them into me. You can also tweet the program at KD Pomp, and we have a lot to get into. But I want to start with the hottest team in town because they deserve attention here. And it seems like this week they haven't gotten much because of all of the things going on on the south side. But the Penguins, eight wins in a row. You talk about a turnaround. That is uh, the longest since a 15-game streak I think they had in 2013. Uh, it's unbelievable what they've been able to do, and it's all <laughs> driven by outstanding play and goal. Goaltending has been terrific. Matt Murray, <clears throat> since his return, 7-0-0 zero, zero with a 127 goals against, a 962 save percentage. That's as good as you can play in goal, I think. And Casey DeSmith, who has been terrific every time he gets a chance to play. And maybe he'll get his next chance tomorrow against Chicago, a team the Penguins found out are improving. Uh, last time they saw them in United Center. So... Bottom line is, uh, the Penguins went 4 to nothing. They're getting production from not just people who you would expect it to come from. Um, you know, the core players, the guys you expect to score. It's coming from other people, and that was something that did not occur early in the season. And that's one of the reasons why they've been able to turn things around. But it starts with, still, the game's best player, Sidney Crosby. How many times we heard, starting with Claude Giroux back in 2012, that Oh, the gauntlet has been passed. It's now Claude Giroux, says Peter Laviolette. No, no, no. Sidney Crosby just has a way of doing things. He just continues to remain quiet, uh, remain humble, and outwork everyone in all aspects of his game. And that's why, largely, they're winners of eight in a row. It starts with him. It always will start with him and how he plays. Uh, Evgeny Malkin's starting to get his game back together, and he can go through valleys and peaks and everything else in his game. But you know... His talent is what it is, and eventually it will surface. And when both are going, those that team is almost unbeatable. But there's another component to this and why it's been so good. And if you watched last night's game, you saw it. Their defense is making really good, tight defensive plays. It's not always um, you know, offensive numbers that define Chris Letang. But offensive numbers will get him the attention he needs to win a Norris trophy. Uh, one of these days, man. If you watched them last night and watched all those guys, actually, not just shot blocking, but getting sticks in the way of pucks, uh, keeping the play largely to the outside of Matt Murray so he didn't have to get many rebounds. And drastically, the one thing that's really improved to me is they're not giving up odd man breaks the way they used to. When they were losing early in November, two-on-ones, three-on-ones, three-on-twos, four-on-twos, Anytime you looked up, they were getting careless. They were pinching too much at the wrong times. They're now in control of that blue line, which should get even stronger because Justin Schultz is getting ready to skate. And when he returns, they're going to have a logjam. Um, the acquisition of Marcus Pedersen has been outstanding. No doubt about that. Uh, again, if you watched the game last night, you see what he does. It's, it's subtle stuff. He almost scored, by the way. So he pinched in the one time in front of the net and got a deflection. Uh, which had to be turned aside by Connor Hellebuck. But uh, Marcus Pedersen has been really good uh, since his acquisition. Another smart trade. You know, you look back at the blue line trades, 
Uh, Jim Rutherford is made with Jamie Alexiak and what he's done after being sort of, uh, you know, kind of discarded in Dallas. And now Marcus Pedersen had to give up something to get him, obviously, and Daniel Sprong, who scored, but he's also a minus player, big minus player in Anaheim. But they're hoping that he turns into a 30-goal scorer. So bottom line is um, there's a lot to like about the Penguins. And believe it or not, you know, they right now are among the elite teams again. We weren't saying that when they were losers of 9 to 10 in November. Only three teams in the league have more points than they do. That's it. Two of those teams are right there with them in the Eastern Conference, and that's going to be fun stuff when they get together with Tampa and Toronto playing. Those are high-octane kind of teams like the Penguins like to play. But the Penguins also know how to uh, calm things down, take control of games, and I think if you look at the amount of goals they've given up in this eight-game streak, you'll understand that. Only nine goals allowed in eight games. That's as good as it gets. And Matt Murray, I can't say enough about some of the numbers that he's put up here. And, uh, you know, I think everybody expected him to get back to form at some point. I don't know it will be this quickly, however. Uh, if you look back, there was a streak a couple years ago when he first came into the league. And th- this is a seven-game win streak he had in 2016. Back then, in those seven wins, he had one shutout. Uh, a 2.10 goals against a 9.23 save percentage, which was good. But that was also the year the Penguins were scoring like crazy. So he didn't have to, you know, he was giving up stuff, but it wasn't um, as stingy as it's been this year. Compare those numbers with these numbers from the seven-game win streak for him. A 127 goals against, a 9.62 save percentage and two shutouts. And he's faced 50 more shots. So those numbers are tremendous. It's almost a goal difference. From when he and 210 is good back in 2016. That was his goals again. That's real good. 127 is microscopically good. That's what Matt Murray has done. But again, I think Casey DeSmith has a role. I think Mike Sullivan has played this very well. I like the other night where they won seven to two in New York and he came out and said, I'm not going to show him the tape because we did not play to our capabilities. That's what you do. You you keep you keep pushing. You keep getting more. And honestly, they could have fallen behind in New York in that game. I thought the Rangers were the better team for the first 30 minutes of it. But they end up winning 7-2 to because they have the uh, you know firepower to get that done. So the Chicago Blackhawks come to town. Um, that's going to be tomorrow at 8 p.m. So we'll talk, certainly, with uh, you about hockey. It's 412-928-9370 on this bright, sunny morning now in Pittsburgh. We're also going to talk about the gloominess that comes with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cloud covered at this point. The sun is out, but not over there. I bet you if you go to the south side, it's very gloomy. And this after a collapse of colossal proportions. That's the only way you can look at it, from 7-2-1 to 9-6-1 and and everything that happened because of it. And since then, of course, all of the uh, storylines about Antonio Brown. And he's contributed mightily to this by acting the way he's acted. And so now the question is, what happens to him and his future. Is it here in Pittsburgh? Is it elsewhere? And before you answer that, because I think emotionally you want to answer that now, everyone wants to answer immediately when emotions are high. I think that's the wrong time to do it. You have to address this properly because it's a major decision. And if you're going to make it, you better be sure, not only can you get rid of him for something good, and something good is going to be hard to get, Can you replace him? That's a bigger question. It's not so much trading and acquiring. It's can you replace the production? 
Because one thing about Antonio Brown, he produces. Every time he's on the field, he produces. Look back at the New Orleans Saints game. Without him, they don't win that game. Absolutely not. And during last year's 13-3 and season, there were so many great opportunities for him to make plays late in games that defined oppor- uh, you know, opportunities for Chris Boswell, who made kicks back then. So they have a situation on their hands where they have to decide what to do. And I'd like to know what you would like to see them do at 412-928-9370. Because it is going to be the key piece of this offseason. Joey Porter's gone. They'll make more changes. Not sure what they will be, but they will make more changes. He has to make more change. Mike Tomlin, the one thing, if you watch his press conference, 90% of the questions were on Antonio Brown. But um, you also got the feeling that he realized that it's time to go back and, and redo his work ethic in terms of the edge and what he needs to do to make this uh, better down the stretch, especially after what happened this year. Um, you know, people look at Tomlin's record, and I always do too, and I point out 125 wins in 12 years. That's pretty good stuff. Not many coaches historically have ever gotten to that, and that's great, and that's why I say bring him back, and they obviously have done that. But it also covers up for the postseason failings that there have been, and there have been postseason failings. You only have three wins in the playoffs in eight years, and one of them was a gift wrap handed to you by the Cincinnati Bengals who bungled their way all the way to the end of that game. Um, so that's where you have to look at it and say, we need to get better, and we need to figure out ways to get better, especially you know following last year's home debacle against Jacksonville, one and done after a 13-3 and number two seed season. So the question with me that I want to get to you today is Antonio Brown. What do you do with him, and what do you get in return for him? Ray Fittipaldo had an outstanding uh, article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette this week. If you haven't seen it, you should, because it outlines potential destinations. The one thing, though, I have a problem with is most of the teams that he's mentioning here are all teams that have very high draft picks. I don't know that I would ever give up Ah, Very high. I mean, one through 10 draft pick for a 31-year-old receiver with baggage. I wouldn't do it. I would rather take my chances with who I think would be an elite player, whose contract I can control, at least for the first, you know, rookie contract, how long that goes. But there are no shortage of teams that could use him. The Oakland Raiders have made big-time deals. The Arizona Cardinals are in desperate need of something. Uh, the 49ers, another team. But again, all these teams have draft picks that are high up. And I don't know that you want to give those things away. They're hard to attain because that means you stink. That means you should be rewarded with somebody really good. Do you want to give it away for a 31-year-old receiver who I still believe is the best in the game right now? So he does do that and brings that to you. 412-928-9370. So let's go to Bill in North Huntington before we take our first break. We have a lot of bills on the line, I noticed. Three bills. How about that? There, there's Bill in Blakesley, Bill in North Huntington, Bill in Dormont, all called at the same time, Matt. Can you play that in a lottery? No? Bill, Bill, Bill? All right, Bill in North Huntington, what's up? How you doing? Good morning, Bob. Must be a Bill day. It's a I Bill day. Like to, it must be. Uh, I would like them to be able to keep Brown, but I think uh, I don't think they can. I think they would do too much. Uh, the players would rebel, and he quit on the team. So how can you keep this man? Plus, if you keep him, uh, he would just do this again. But I put all this blame on Mr. Rooney because he's the one that had the final decision to sign him 
and they knew who, how he was and who he was when they signed him. Thank you. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about that, Bill, is they knew also what he would do. And ultimately, this is about winning. Ultimately, anybody who is signed to that kind of money, and the Steelers do spend, contrary to a lot of people's belief, and they will spend the market, whatever that may be, on their good players. You know, look what he's done since he signed that contract. He has been outstanding. Yes, could it be a problem? Maybe they misidentified the problem or never thought it would get bigger than it got, but it has. I still think if you don't sign him, you will take as much criticism as you would for signing him. And I will promise you this, Bill, if they trade him and don't get enough in return and they take another step back last year because wide receiver production is down, they'll get criticized for that move too. It's a really difficult decision. That's why I think it should take some time. Bill and Blakesley, Bill and Dormont, hang on. We have more callers on the way as well. 412-928-9370. Text me, tweet me, whatever you want to do. At KD Pomp, we're just getting started. It's the Bob Pompey Annie Show, Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan.